This is a podcast by Dr. Andrew Carey, obstetrician, gynecologist and fertility specialist. Dr. Carey, thank you so much for being with me today. We're talking all about menopause, so what it is, when it starts and ends, the symptoms and treatments. So Andrew, what is menopause? Well, menopause is the um, time in a woman's life where her hormonal release from the ovary has ceased and if they are having menstrual periods, the menstrual periods will cease. That typically happens at age 51 on average, but the range is quite extensive. It can be completely normal from age 45 to age 55. What triggers the start of it? Well, it's the um, ovarian age, so to speak, or the ovarian activity. The ovaries are limited in their hormone release and their egg release. And then once the eggs have stopped being released, there still is hormone production for a period of time, but then that stops. What that does is that means that the estrogen levels in the bloodstream go very low. And as a response, a little gland in the base of the brain called the pituitary gland starts to produce other hormones that trying to get that ovary to work harder. And then that gives some of the symptoms. So does it mean that there are no eggs left? Yes. I've heard stories though, Andrew, of women who have become pregnant after they started menopause. There are circumstances where the the menopause seems to be starting and then there still is a final burst of activity from the ovary. There isn't a day where the period stopped and you haven't had a period for two or three months that you would say, I now have zero eggs. But the chances of a pregnancy occurring in the pre or perimenopause, as we say, is extremely remote, but it does occur rarely. So Andrew, when you first go into menopause, do you still have to use contraception? In the initial phase, it's a little bit tricky. A lot of people have taken care of that by a partner having a vasectomy or tubal ligation or other treatments. And sometimes they have, for example, the uh, intrauterine device Marina or Kylina in situ, which is quite useful to cross over into the um, stage of the menopause because that has led them into the early part of the menopause, but it also gives them that contraceptive protection across that time where it's a bit confusing and a bit unpredictable. So Andrew, just going back to the basics of menopause, what are the symptoms? The cardinal symptom is the stopping of a menstrual period. The more important symptoms though are the hormonal effects that uh, a lot of women experience and in particular the vasomotor symptoms we call them that's uh, hot flushes, night sweats and a feeling of intense build-up of heat through their body and that then leads to sleep disturbance and uh, poor sleep quite separate to that. There can also then be mood symptoms, uh, feeling quite lethargic, feeling quite angry or challenged. And then there can also be brain symptoms, feeling foggy in the brain, forgetting some things, just having a a little bit of a, a mental loss of cognition and leading to challenges in their work, sometimes even challenges in their family life. These feelings of crankiness and moodiness, do they happen when you would normally be having your period or once you reach menopause? Is it just at any time of the month? They would happen at any time. The hormonal surge from the pituitary gland 
is relentless and continuous. It doesn't follow a cyclical pattern as much in the menopause. Once the ovaries have done their shutdown, the pituitary is trying to get them to boost and that causes a lot of these early symptoms. Oh dear, not yes, that everybody gets good, those. That's right, yes, yes that's the good news. <laughs> I, I mean, these are the symptoms that people come to us for. But, um, the you know, and a lot of the menopause experts around the world do try and sort of balance that by saying menopause is natural. It will happen if a person lives long enough. It will, it's a natural process. Now, how we deal with that depends a lot of our, on how we how the symptoms are, but also how our society is. So while it is natural, and there are a lot of menopause experts who do say we should be treating it no longer as a condition, but as a natural process. It's something that in our modern society, women don't have to put up with if they want symptom relief. And the woman who's going through the menopause at around age fifty really has to expect that they're going to spend a long part of their life in the menopause and postmenopause. It's not that they are only got a few years and then it's all over because the postmenopause does continue. Andrew, I've heard women talk about the experience of hot flushes and it sounds really awful. What actually causes it? The hot flushes are due to surges of the pituitary hormone FSH. It's almost universal that there will be hot flushes. Some people feel like they're on fire, but a lot of people watching wouldn't even notice it was happening and unless you start perspiring and some people do. It doesn't always be as obvious as the individual thinks it would be. I've also heard women explain that it feels like something's crawling under their skin. Is yes. that a similar result of the pituitary hormone? Yes, they're all related and there can also be that skin irritation, but there can be joint and muscle irritation as well. It's quite across the whole board of symptoms throughout the body. But I assume not all women experience symptoms. Do women experience menopause differently? Yes. Some women absolutely sail through it and really choose, therefore, to have no menopause hormone therapy. But they're probably important even to know that it is a time when they probably need to have more regular checkups with their GP and particularly be considering their bone mass and their accelerated bone loss. So even if a woman doesn't want to take any treatments, then calcium supplements is a really wise idea and also having some checks of their bone mass. In both males and females, as we get older, bone loss increases and it increases slowly for both males and females. But then at the point of the menopause, it then drops quite significantly because there's no longer estrogen production. And so postmenopausal osteopenia or osteoporosis are particular concerns, particularly in the um, very thin and frail person. So that then the problem there is that in the postmenopause, um, many years later, uh, the risks of major fractures, hip fractures and other leg fractures. Andrew, what are the emotional symptoms of menopause? Well, they vary, particularly things like difficulty sleeping and then that again goes on to poor memory, difficulty concentrating, difficulty um, focusing at work. Now, sometimes that then overlays to the anxiety that some people feel. So they can feel anxious because they're having troubles 
performing the duties that they would normally have taken easily and taken in their stride at work or maybe it's because they've had lack of sleep so there's a a fair bit of a mix there but they have increased forgetfulness they have tiredness they have a lack of libido the lack of libido can also be because they're lacking sleep so it's not always just the pure hormonal effect but because the ovary also produces testosterone the lack of libido could sometimes be an effect of that drop in testosterone. So Andrew, at what point should a woman seek treatment? It's a time when um, women are often having their general health checks anyway, and that's a good principle that they should be talking to their GP. And if the GP is somebody who likes to deal with women's health, they'll, they'll be focusing on that anyway. And that's great. Then if they're not managing with the symptoms, then symptom relief is available with menopause hormone therapy. So let's talk about the treatments then, Andrew. What treatments are available? Really the, the absolute cure-all for your a menopausal symptom is menopause hormone therapy. And this has really become quite mainstream now, having gone through some challenges in the early 2000s. And we very frequently prescribe menopause hormone therapy in the form of transdermal estrogen. And if they have a uterus, then an oral micronized progesterone. So transdermal estrogen is the best administration of estrogen to um, provide not only symptom relief, but also minimize the effect on the metabolism in the body, minimize the uh, effect on the livers, liver enzymes, and, and also reduces the risk of thromboembolism or stroke or cardiovascular disease. In fact, transdermal estrogen um, it means that they can have their symptom relief, but also have their protection against the risks of cardiovascular disease later. So Andrew, once you start the menopausal hormone therapy, are you on it for a year, five years, forever? A little bit of all of that, I'm afraid, (laughs) Rebecca. So some people will desire to provide uh, some quick symptom relief and see, and they may only take it for one or two years, but we do very frequently have patients on it for five or ten years. And then there's often people who are in such busy lives, whether it's in their professional life or whether it's other issues, that really want to remain on menopause hormone therapy even beyond that. So, Andrew, are there some women who can't have the menopausal hormone therapy? Probably the biggest challenging group are those who've had breast cancer. If they've had breast cancer treated, their breast specialist, their oncologist, will all be very, very determined and keen for them not to have hormone therapy in the form of estrogen. They actually can, but it really is contraindicated at least to the majority and therefore they form a particular subgroup where they really do have to experience challenges but they can still have some treatments particularly for their urogenital symptoms. So what other treatment options are there for this group of women or women who choose not to have MHT? The biggest treatment group that I see for the postmenopause are those who are coming to us who are having issues with their vulva, vagina and tightness and dryness that they experience. Most women are well and truly still sexually active in their 50s and 60s. And for those that are experiencing problems there, 
with dryness and tightness of the vagina, which means that intercourse can be uncomfortable, intercourse can be painful, intercourse can be impossible for some of them. Options there initially are trying vaginal lubrication and there's various forms of water-based lubrications on the market. And then the option beyond that is an oestrogen to apply to the vagina. And for those who are absolutely keen to avoid vaginal oestrogen, then the other treatment option that we have been using in the last few years is a vaginal laser treatment. Laser therapies have been around for decades and dermatologists and plastic and cosmetic surgeons have used laser for various parts of the skin and the body. But there's also other surgical lasers. But in our particular area in gynecology, there, there is a skin application laser. There are a few different brands. I particularly have been using a Juliet laser which is called an erbium yag laser the laser is a um, is a vaginal probe and the vaginal probe provides a laser pulse in a circumferential manner um, the whole length of the vagina from the upper vagina right down to the entrance or what we call the introitus that vaginal pulse is set in two different wavelengths one wavelength is referred to as the ablative phase and the other wavelength is said to be the thermal phase. So we're rejuvenating that area of tissue. Yeah, so the um, a laser pulse to any skin that is set correctly is going to penetrate below the skin surface into what's called the subdermis and that then increases collagen production and potentially increases vascularity. In my experience, the symptoms of atrophic vaginitis, as we call it, which is the um, menopausal changes to the skin of the vagina, are dramatically improved by the use of the laser. And for some women, that's a one-off treatment and never needing again. And others do notice after a period of time, 12 months, 18 months, that they want to come back for a repeat treatment. But the big question, Andrew, does it hurt? It's a... Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's an uncomfortable feeling. It's a, a, The majority of women are, are quite amazed at how brief the intense discomfort is and the area of the upper vagina and mid vagina is almost never a point of discomfort and then just at the entrance is the one area where it can be mildly intolerable or um, and literally for a grimace for a few seconds and it is almost universal that even women with very severe atrophic vaginitis can tolerate that with only a few of them needing the application of say a local anesthetic cream to the opening of the vagina. The whole procedure takes 10 minutes or so and it's really only the last 30 seconds of each of the of the phases, the ablative phase and then the thermal phase, that are the ones that really are uncomfortable for some women compared to all the other things that um, my patients have gone through with their childbirth and with their all their other issues and often with the discomfort of intercourse, they find that that's nothing. And as soon as it's done, they are up and walking and coming back into my main room after we've left the laser room and said, oh, I feel better. And it's not, 
you know, it's not uncomfortable. They don't walk out uncomfortable. The downtime is 72 hours of abstinence uh-huh. and that's um, that's the only downtime and, and they deserve that downtime, don't they? <laughs> so what feedback are you getting from women about Juliet? Very positive. It is carefully explained to them that they could take oestrogen cream as an alternative and there's no doubt that oestrogen cream achieves a a similar effectiveness in helping the the vaginal symptoms but the point about oestrogen cream is you have to keep using it and it was once you've had the laser that's it you've done it very very positive um, feedback about those benefits of treatment of atrophic vaginitis how long after treatment do women usually notice symptom improvement Typically, even several days later when they are having that first episode of intercourse, they they feel better anyway. And then within weeks and certainly within months. So I always get them back for a discussion and see how they're managing and check how the vaginal tissue is at about three months earlier if they have any concerns. Really, they find that the treatment benefits were almost immediate. If you've had a hysterectomy earlier in life for medical reasons, for example, do you still go through menopause in terms of the hormone changes? Yes. So typically at a hysterectomy, it's removal of the uterus and tubes, but not removing the ovaries. So if a woman has her ovaries removed at the hysterectomy, that's the day of the menopause. The ovaries have been removed. There's no more, there's no more hormones. But if their ovary was, ovaries were conserved, at least one or both, then years later, those ovaries will stop producing hormones. And then that's the um, onset of some of these symptoms that we described. We talked a little about this before, but as we start menopause, what are the chances of becoming pregnant? Extremely low. The chances of spontaneous conception in the late 40s are extremely low anyway. The chances of us achieving pregnancy in the late 40s, even with technology of IVF, is very, very low as well. So it's an extremely remote circumstance of a spontaneous conception. And I have had one patient who had spontaneously conceived, uh, absolutely spontaneously, no no therapy at age 50. Anthea wrote a book about it and she's delighted and, and her child is now 10 years of age. And so that's magnificent. I think she might've been on 60 Minutes, was she? Yes, she was. Yes. That's that how was rare a little, it is. That was a little 60 Minutes um, episode that I had to uh, be wired up for as we delivered the baby. It was a magic moment. So we can really still enjoy life as we go through this natural process. Well, that's the important thing. There are so many years of a woman's life from age 50 and beyond. Women live longer than men and they have a a good third of their life, if not more, in the menopause or postmenopause. So it isn't a time where there has to be suffering. Thank you for talking with us, Andrew. You're welcome. 